Hello and welcome to Psychology in Seattle. I'm your host, Kirk Honda, licensed therapist. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and like us on Facebook. And please send emails to contact at psychologyinseattle.com. We always love hearing from our listeners. I'm Mandy, Kirk's cousin. And I'm Umberto Castaneda. I'm the lead engineer for the um, space shuttle program. They just closed that down. Shut up. What? There was a memo in the lunchroom. I think you're out of a job. All right. Today's episode is about emotion. Emotion, people. Affect. Feelings. I've been reviewing some literature on emotion, and I thought I would share it with you in podcast land, and I thought I would use my co-hosts as people to bounce off, uh, as people to bounce these ideas off of. We'll see where we get. All right. So let's start off. What is the definition of emotion? What do you think? Um, well, emotion is uh, is a welling of uh, electrochemical processes in the brain that makes you... <laughs> no, but seriously, it kind of is, right? But I suppose the, the more layman thing is the, the emotion is a way of feeling that um, that has some, you know, that carries some... Uh, oh, man, it's hard to not use the word itself. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let's, let's talk about the two... One, the two definitions you're talking about one is it's uh chemical it's it's you know emotions come from the brain we a lot of people think and uh it's it's about brain chemistry the second one uh, i think you're trying to get to the word perhaps meaning things that have meaning in our life yeah probably i, I guess there, there's the there's the uh intellectual reaction to things mm-hmm. right and then there are uh, more primal emotional reactions to things so i suppose emotions are more primal feelings in a way mm-hmm than um, the more layered intellectual feelings. So there's maybe different kinds of feelings. Yeah. Um, emotions. I don't know. I think we were talking about it before, about if it's physical or if it's all in your like in your heart or your head where you can't, like tangible versus intangible. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I guess we'll get into it. At first glance, when you try to define emotion, it's difficult, as the two of you are exhibiting. You're thinking, well, it's the... I feel this way. It's, you know, so it's hard to define emotion, but I always think that before you talk about something, you really should define it. Well, in my literature review, I came up with different categories of, of ways of defining emotion. Some people consider it an, or, an organic subjective mix of action impulses, like the impulse to strike someone, or behavioral responses like laughing, or bodily expressions like increased heart rate if you're afraid. Or subjective experience, for instance, just asking someone, how do you feel? And they say, I feel sad. So all of those, when you put them all together, define emotion for some people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds as complex as probably what emotions are, yeah. Right. So some of them are bodily reactions, like laughing or heart rate. And some of them are subjective experiences, like I feel sad right now when you ask someone. So let's get into what emotion is typically not. Um, things that I would actually personally exclude from the definition of emotion. For instance, moods should not be included in emotion because moods are more of a sustained emotion over a long period of time. Within a mood period, you can have a distinct emotion. Like if you are depressed in general, one might feel sad on that particular day, right? Um, Another is sentiments. Um, Sentiments refer to characteristic ways a person evaluates an object, if we might define sentiment in that way. Like, I'm disgusted by something? Well, like the way you would feel about your hometown. Like, I'm disgusted by... It's like feelings associated with a memory or a place or... Right. 
Right. So we wouldn't. Life. Right. So we wouldn't call that an emotion. But it might trigger an emotion. But it might trigger an emotion. That's right. Um, another thing that some include in emotion, but I choose to exclude from the definition of emotion, is a reflex. For instance, the autonomic reflex of pulling your hand back from a hot stove. Some some people actually call that an emotion. I I don't. Th- what do you think? Do you think that's emotion? No, I think that's a reflex. Okay, it's a good Duran Duran song. A reflex. Oh, I'm going to see Duran Duran next month. No. Booyah. Where are they playing? Everett. Oh, my God. I want Comcast to go. Arena. Get a ticket, man. All right. Personality traits. We should also exclude from the definition of emotion. Um, like the personality trait that someone is, is has a tendency to be joyful, for instance. That's not an emotion. And lastly, preferences. Preferences should be um, eliminated from the definition of emotion. For instance, the preference for, like someone says, I like sunsets. That's not an emotion. That's a preference. You see what I'm saying? I like sunsets is a preference. I got it. Right. But if you're like, I like sunsets, and when I see a sunset, I feel an emotion, then you're talking about emotion. You're talking about something that you feel after the thing you like. Right. But if you're watching a sunset and you have a feeling of joy, then you are experiencing joy. So I want to ask you guys a question. What are the different categories of emotions? So if you were to... Write down every single emotion known to man. How would you clump them together? Um, I would probably have to associate them with mood categories, like okay. in your happy section under that would okay. be lots of happy emotions like elated, ecstatic, energetic, okay. you know, etc. Or mad, like angry, contemptuous, you know, whatever, those kinds of things, sad would be in the family of like solemn, sullen, depressed, feeling low. So those three big categories. No, no, no. That's like an example. I, okay. They'd be by moods, but those are the first three that pop to your mind. Like any other? I don't know. Maybe I only just think happy, sad, and mad. Happy, sad, mad. Berto? I can imagine to use some colors. So for example, we could have black, white, blue, red, green, and yellow. Where, like, black are the really dark emotions. The white are the really pure, like, um, high ideal kind of emotions. Can you elaborate? Well, like, dark would be, uh, black might be, like, hatred, you know? Like, I feel hate right now or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Then uh, blue might be, uh, actually, let me start with red, which is, red would be, like, angry, angry kind of emotions, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, green might be, like, natural emotions like nature emotions like uh uh things things like um like when you run and you feel endorphin uh, you feel what endorphin yes that's a good one that's a good word uh and then yellow might be emotional like uh like almost family or relationship type of emotions hmm. and blue might be longing like uh uh fantasy like uh that's what it is daydreaming like you know uh fantasies and hopes kind of wow. emotions why wouldn't blue be like Mm, I'm blue. It could be. That's just my, but you know, I love the color blue, so that's my bias on the color. What about passion? That's red. Right. But that's, that's red. mad, you said. No, 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 no. I said, well, you're right. I said angry, but angry and anger and love go hand in hand. What about mauve? Damn straight. Which one? What about mauve? Mauve. Mauve. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, Is that like, like married juice? to the mauve? I don't know. Chartreuse. <laughs> anyway, okay, well, you both have very interesting categories of emotion. Berto's yours is particularly interesting. Um, but, but, a valid, but a valid categorization of emotion. After a review of the literature, I have found no consensus as to how to categorize emotions. You would think that psychologists would say, here you go. Here 
is what we have decided upon. But no one has. One I found was actually on Wikipedia, and there are six different categories. You have happy, you have sad, you have angry, you have scared, you have tender, hmm, tender, and you have excited. Now, Mandy, you put happy and excited together. But you didn't include scared, so... I was going to say, after we changed, I was like, oh, you know, besides happy, sad, mad, and, like, anxious, worried, scared. Right. That that would be a last one I would add. Right. So we might be able to put excited and happy in the same category here. The tender, intimate, loving, warm-hearted, sympathetic, touched, kind, soft, you can't really put that in happy, right? It's all in good, positive feelings, feelings that, you know, are uplifting and warm. And for me, I'm all like, yeah. You could put those in happy. But it doesn't have to be its own color. I they they used colors, one. didn't they? They did use colors. Huh. They put they put scared as yellow, you know, angry as red. Well, yeah, you know, you're yellow, yellow-bellied coward, yellow. Yeah, yeah. Duh. Yeah. No, I get it. I just think <laughs> some of them are a little too, like, the color has a word association. Right. Like blue, right? Like right. you were saying. Right. Uh, red was kind of the obvious one too, but it's cultural. Some, yeah. some like in China, red is not associated with angry or bad things. It's associated with luck. Isn't it lucky? Yeah, it's luck and luck. I think happiness. So um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say my categories would be angry, sad, happy, and scared. Um, I would put excited and tender actually in happiness, and maybe I would get, use a different word like um, feeling good. Um, okay, so those are my categories, but like I said, there are many others. There's some that have 11 categories that I saw. There was one that had three categories. So it really just depends on how you define affect, how you define emotion, and what you include in emotion. For all the all of you out there in podcast land, us shrinks like to use the word affect as a synonym for emotion. So just so you know that. You know, I was in a band in high school for a little bit called Primary Emotions. Were you? Yes. And those emotions, I think, were love, hatred, anger, and fear, if I'm not wrong. That's deep. Well, it was started by a dude named uh, Matt Lewis, who loved Nine Inch Nails and was deep himself. Love, hatred, anger, and fear, I think. Hatred and anger were different. I think maybe. This is kind of a dark angle to the whole thing. What about sadness? I don't know. Maybe I'm misquoting him. It's a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably rolling around in his grave right now. I'm taking issue with your band name. Huh? Is he dead? No, I don't. I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. If you're out there, let us know, Matt Lewis, if they were really angry, hatred, love, and sadness. No, no, you've changed them all. I don't care. Is the order relevant? <laughs> no, no, they, no. You, you didn't include sadness. He had, he had hatred and anger. Anyway. I, I thought you said hatred, anger, love, and sadness. No. No, he didn't say sadness. And fear was one of them. Oh, fear. I said sadness. Oh. All right. Whatever. So, in my review of the literature, I found that there were three distinct different categories of emotional theory. Theory about emotion. Um, about what emotions are, how they're caught, you know, what's the genesis of emotion. And I. The catalyst of emotion. Well, nope. the, no, not the catalyst. Um, Indoctrinate. <laughs> is, uh, so I'll talk about the two main theories that are have been going on, the debate that's been going on over the past hundred years regarding emotion, and then I'll talk about the third one in a little bit. But the first one that came about um, in the literature and psychology was in the late 1800s, and what it's a category that I will call deterministic theory or non-cognitive theory. Essentially, it's it's a theory that says that your emotions begin in your body. It's an emotional, it's a bodily reaction. And then we become aware of that bodily reaction and we perceive it as an emotion. For instance, if you're on stage, 
you have you have sweaty palms, you have uh, increased heart rate, um, you're a little confused, and and it's your body reacting. It's an adaptive, biological, evolutionary based reaction. Actually, um, uh, Darwin had a view like this about emotion, and it's a way to protect us. It's a survival uh, mechanism. Then later, after we have that bodily reaction, our mind says, oh, I'm feeling fear right now. And then you might have a cognition about that, like, oh, I don't like being on stage. But it all started in the body, okay? Uh, Other examples would be, you know, you're angry and you get tense at first, and then you cognitively think, oh, I must be angry. Oh, okay. And I'm I'm just I'm describing it fairly briefly. It's actually much more involved than this. It's, I'm, it's, sure, it's sure. A lot less simple. Um, but anyway, so the other category. So we have deterministic theory or non-cognitive theory. The second one that came along in the '60s was a cognitive theory, which is that it all starts with our thoughts, and then we have an emotion about it. So you're on stage and you think, "I am going to be humiliated. I am going to make a fool out of myself." This is a bad thing. And then you have an emotion. Then you have a bodily reaction. You know, you have an evaluation about your situation, and then you have an emotion as a result of that. And if you don't have an evaluation, if you don't have a cognitive evaluation, then you can't have an emotion. So these two different theories are completely opposite, as you can see. Right. Um, one says one thing is right. You can't have them together. So one says you have to have a cognition before the emotion, and the other one says is that you have the emotion, the bodily reaction, the autonomic nervous system response before you have any awareness of what's going on, and then you have the cognition after that. And then the third the third school of thought is integrating these two along with bodily functions and this sort of thing, along with neurochemistry. So I thought that we would go over some emotional situations for the two of you and see if we uh, might determine which one of these these two main theories are right, if if either one is right. Okay. So I had a really strong emotion this weekend. Yeah. For a long time, I've been a big fan of, of a great American movie in which one of the great quotes in that movie is, uh, here, let's play this out. Mandy, you ask me if I am free for lunch this this weekend. Oh, hey, Amberto. Are you free for lunch this weekend? Saturday? Yeah. Can't. I have a matinee of Limes. Okay, so that's a favorite quote of mine. From yeah, what, a, what movie from is an American that from? movie. It's an, a great all-American movie. It's American Psycho. <laughs> I've been saying that quote for years, and I use it in all situations I can, so, you know, people are very annoyed about it. Finally, for a gift I received this year to go to a Sunday, unfortunately, but a Sunday matinee... Of Le Mis. <laughs> yeah, I saw you posted on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, so I really did. I, I, got, I went to, to the Fifth Avenue to uh, Le Miserable. I have heard the music because I own the CDs, but I've never seen it. And so for the first time, I actually got to uh, claim. Yeah, I actually had someone ask me if I could do something on Sunday. And I was like, Sunday? Can't. <laughs> I got a matinee of Le Mis. And I did. And so I went to, to this thing. And oh my God, I broke down. I was in tears by the end. I was crying in the car. It was so intense. <sighs> It was so intense. It's like the most emotional reaction I've ever had to a musical, ever. Oh, so you're talking about that emotion? Yes. Okay, so let's break it down. You were crying? Yeah, so so the thing was really good. Like, the musical was really good. The voices were amazing and everything. Um, and I had moments throughout it where it was emotional, and I, and I had little tears and stuff like that, and I was shaking a little bit. But towards the end, I got that actual full body, like, goosebumps, like, shivers, and... 
we left. I got to the car and I just like started like crying, man. Okay. Like really letting it out. I was, I was shaking, looking at the pamphlet and just like, this is so beautiful. You know, mm. just like, it was very intense. <laughs> Mandy's laughing at you. I know. Sorry. I was just like, oops. Can they hear me? I didn't mean to laugh. No, no, it was funny. It was funny. As no, well. no, I, okay, it's very sweet. Fair, it's very sweet. It. I haven't seen Les Miserables. It sounds freaking great. Yeah. And I wouldn't be laughing if I'd seen well, it. Well, um, it, is, it is a very moving and somewhat sad uh, story. But the point is that it was that coupled with this amazing music and the performances were really good. The stage show was really good. But obviously there was more to it than that. All right, well, let's break it down. So in that moment when you were having the goosebumps, what was your subjective experience? How would you describe your internal feeling state? It was an uncontrollable physical reaction. Okay, so you felt out of control. Well, I felt like what was happening was totally self-initiated by my body. Okay. In that sense. And I, were you feeling sad? Were you feeling uh, reverent? No, no. In fact, well, Kim, okay, so then the intellectual thought running through my brain, I kid you not, was this. It was a combination of this. If aliens are considering right now whether to invade or not this might persuade them to not kill us off okay because i was thinking honestly like there is this is such this is such beauty in this like otherwise dark nothingness we call our universe right and and it was so like amazing and so i'm sitting there going this might be a reason why aliens might not kill us (laughs) so that was what was going on through my head were you feeling awe awe is a good word okay Mm. were you feeling ecstatic Ecstasy is a good word. Were you feeling... Heroin is a good word. I'm just kidding. Were you feeling satisfied or pleased? No. Uh, actually, that's funny. I was feeling thankful that I got to see it. Mm. Were you feeling fulfilled? Yeah, in some ways. Although also a tinge of sadness. Oh, sadness. Yeah, there was definitely sadness. Because the part of the emotional content in the piece is without any spoilers, like things don't go right, really. I mean, some main things kind of go okay, but there's a lot of sadness and loss in it. Okay. And so it's, uh, there was that. And, and part of it was the thing, the play, the, the musical is about human nature deeply. Mm. And there is a little bit of that helplessness you feel sometimes when you realize that, yeah, human nature is not all that great in some ways. So there was some of that as well. Right. So, all right. So you're having this mixture of ecstasy, of happiness. Yeah, it was definitely a mixture of happiness and sadness, sadness, um, overwhelmed, awe, awe, oneness with human nature. Well, actually more like oneness with nature in spite of human. Okay. So not for everyone, but when a lot of people have these feelings, they cry. Yeah. And they get goosebumps. Right. And they get tingles up their spine. And mostly football players and me. You right. Football players and you wrestlers too. Tough guys. Yes. You were shaking a little? Well, that vibration you feel throughout your body when your <laughs> spine is tingling and your goosebumps. Oh, oh okay. Not not like convulsively crying. <clears throat> oh no, not convulsively crying. Although in the car I was crying quite nearly compulsively you were and bawling i was kind of bawling a bit yeah and like, did you because i'm a baller and oh. were you feeling <laughs> sad i mean at the time were you thinking wow i'm crying i must be sad or no 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 that cr- that crying was like of like the thing of beauty like at a wedding seeing your daughter get married that kind of beauty i've never cried at a wedding i don't think i could cry oh, at a wedding i have i uh oh we gotta talk about that next like mostly i cry at movies 
and at music-related stuff. I've cried at concerts a few times. Okay, so let's break down this situation on last Sunday. Did your bodily reaction occur before the evaluation and the emotion? I mean, did the bodily reaction slash emotion happen before the cognition, or did the cognition about the event happen before the emotion? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. A, I think that the all-or-nothing theories are full of shite. Mm. But for the record, but anyways, um, that's the thing. I guess part of the problem is our brains can't process that fast. So I couldn't tell you a frame-by-frame account of which came first, chicken or egg, right? Meaning that it's difficult to determine which comes first. Right. Because I, I, the way it happened for me was thoughts are going through my head. I'm enjoying what's happening on the stage. My ears are hearing and enjoying what I'm hearing. I'm feeling things. It's all adding up together. And by the time I'm shivering and I'm like got the little tear coming down and I'm thinking aliens won't kill us now, right? That whole thing. It is logical. It's emotional. It's physical. It's everything. Yeah. Andy? Correct me if I'm wrong, but like you had time, like there was buildup. You had been absorbing the musical and the plot and, and it's, you know, time is passing. And as it reaches a, you know, climax crescendo or whatever, then it's like, and then it like bursts out your eyes. You know, you get to a point. But I feel like to me, it's like you recognize you're feeling all these things. You're feeling emotions and it manifests itself in this physical Response. I feel like it was you'd recognize it. No, you can't know the frame by frame. But there were there was a lead up. It wasn't just like I'm crying. Oh, I'm sad. It's like oh, no, you know you you're taking all of this in. You're evaluating the. You know you're letting it affect you. It's it's getting in your brain. And- right, right. So so Manny, you're saying that cognition happened before the body body reaction, right? Yeah, right. Unless it was like literally like a spontaneous thing, and like right. the tears came, but there's no logic, there's no memory before it. There's no. I was feeling sad. I can acknowledge this feeling, or acknowledge, you know, uh, you know, my awareness of it. It's mm-hmm. like there is lead up. Right. So you're exhibiting the cognitivist point of view. Berto's exhibiting the the integrated viewpoint. But, right, so just to elaborate on the cognitivist point of view, it's you're given the ticket and you're already going, I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah. I love this. Right. I have a sentiment about this this musical. I'm going to see it at the Fifth Avenue Theater for the first time. And you're driving there and you're feeling good and you and you sit down in your seat and it's all comfortable and, and the buzz is in the air and, and people are, no? What? I, I don't think that that's part of it. I think that you didn't know the extent of its, it, its effect on you till it happened. You weren't like, that, I know that true. I'm going to get hit with a big pow of emotion at this show. You're just like, I'm psyched because I've always joked about it. Yes. It's finally going to be great to cross it off my list and know, but you didn't know no, well, uh, what me, it would be. Yeah, and, and that, that, that's all possible. So it's not the anticipation I'm talking well, about. It's the actual moments that you're experiencing but, but as I think, happening. But I think it's possible, you know, it's not... Maybe tr- all of it. Maybe, maybe all of it, that um, if, say, you were watching this on a video at home on a little screen on your computer and you have a sandwich next to you and people are making noise around you. So it's not necessarily just the musical, right? It's the environment. You're sitting next to people who also love Les Mis. And it's the backdrop leading up to it. As I mean, so what's funny is I agree with you and also I agree with you. I agree with you that there was all this backdrop. In fact, more than that, because it, it really it kind of started recently. It started when I saw the American Psycho movie and I and I hear the quote and that quote resonates with me. And the irony of the quote in that movie, by the way, is that the reason that excuse 
because he's a psychopath, right? So he, he's a sociopath. He can say whatever he wants to get out of any situation and lie through his teeth, right? So the reason that excuse works for anyone in that situation is because Les Mis at that time, this was 88 or 87 or something, was such a phenomenon. Everyone was watching it all the time. It was playing like crazy. So for you to say I have matinee of Les Mis actually was technically very believable, number one. Number two, the, the irony of this guy who cannot feel cannot actually feel emotions mm. saying he's going to go see this thing mm. would lead you to believe if you don't know him that oh he must be into the arts he must really love this thing. no if he were ever to go which i doubt he had ever even seen the damn thing he wouldn't have felt a single emotion during that thing so there's all, all these things. now none of this did i think consciously about mm-hmm. i'm only piecing it together now mm-hmm. but i think it started uh, subconsciously back then and then i say that i also agree with you in that to you were actually trying to downplay that lead up on the conscious level i think it's on the conscious level but the surprise punch comes that the conscious level did not say oh wow all this lead up is going to lead to me crying in the car Right. That was the surprise punch, I think, at the end. That being said, I will play devil's advocate for the um, emotional side, because before I read that book or watched the movie, I was a baby. And if you look at babies, they come out of the womb crying and they cry. And I don't think they process logically too much at that stage. Mm. And they have what we now would identify as like, oh, that baby is sad or mad or angry. No, no. They're just having a physical reaction. Mm. But then you develop connections between those physical reactions and the logic behind your actions and things like that. And then that's why I'm more of the integrative approach, because where did it start? Like, right. you know. Hmm. Right. Exactly. And another way of, of approaching this is when did the emotion begin? Yeah. Did it start as you were building up? I mean, because you love you. You, you were building on ecstasy before you even saw the the musical before you even walked in and then it crescendoed at the end or should we say that the distinct emotional experience that you had at the end began when you had goosebumps um because that's that's a a threshold that we can say that you didn't achieve before that point and so when you had the the crying behavior and and the goosebumps and the chills that's when the ecstasy began and everything before that is not necessarily relevant to that particular moment. It's really hard to say. So I like this example because it really challenges all of our definitions of emotion and really just depends on how you define emotion and how you define when emotion begins and what you include in emotion. So the deterministic point of view is that your body had a reaction. And then as your body is reacting with the goosebumps and the chills and the, and the tears, you say, oh my God, I'm feeling awe. Uh, and the cognitivist point of view is is saying you couldn't have had that bodily reaction unless you cognitively understood what was what was happening. Right. And it's not conscious necessarily, but it's a but it's a cognitive thinking process, a non emotional evaluation of the event, and you evaluate it as I am in awe, and then your body has this reaction. So makes sense. Yeah. So try this with like a six month old baby. Jump from around the corner, like just hide for a second, and then jump out. And scare, quote, scare them, right? Uh, depends on the baby, I suppose. But a lot of babies will startle for a second and then, like, laugh a little bit. Because for some reason, that surprise thing triggers this laughter in them. But that's not really, like, there's no language in their head going, ha, that's funny because he was hiding and now he, no, there's none of that. It's simply shock feeling translated into, um, you know, laughter motion in their face and stuff like that. Right. So a lot yeah. of people look toward babies to define emotion. A lot of emotions don't show up until later in life. So um, so some people say that 
the primary emotions are the emotions that babies feel, infants feel before the age of six months. And that uh, emotions that happen after that are uh, more cognitive based because they're culturally based. They're based on our conception of society and this sort of thing and of ourselves. Startle, laughter, crying, annoyance, anger, these kinds of things are exhibited in babies from, from birth, right? Um, but again, it just depends on how you looked at that situation. Um, babies don't have a language in their head. They can't say to themselves, I think that this is a funny situation. But this is actually evidence for the deterministic point of view, I think, from my point of view. For instance, there's startle, there's fear. There's an, there's an initial like bodily reaction of fear. Like You can imagine that most animals have this reflex to run away from something that's startling. Something is coming from around the corner, run away because it's going to eat you, right? And then the cognition kicks in for the baby and says, oh, it's daddy. He's not going to hurt me. Ha ha ha. That's funny. So it's it's a combination of both non-cognitive and cognitive. Make sense? Yeah. I think the thing that reminds me when you talk about babies is that it's instinctual, you know, like they'd know if something came out and maybe it's a feeling, maybe it's intangible that they'd know if that was a threat that was jumping out. But because it's like, you know, they know or they have a feeling, things you can't put towards that it. it's just evolved with us to this point that it just happens naturally, that there are no explanations. It's just wired in our brains as the homo sapiens that we are. But somebody just told me over the weekend that we were talking about some of my baby cousins that up until the age of two like children think everything that happens is by magic like they have no concept they they have no logic they're just like ah so i mean like when i think about that you know when something upsets them the reason they cry before they can speak is because that's their only way of communicating like i'm hungry i'm upset i just pooped you know whatever that's how they communicate that's just instinctual because they can't speak and even when they can speak it's like kind of like a gut reaction that comes out of them but that is interesting that when does it start acquiring meaning like i am sad you hurt my feelings i am you know happy you know tears of joy versus tears of sadness versus whatever when does it start acquiring but i think that's what lends some credibility to the emotional side of the fence as when, you're, the... when you say emotional side of the fence i think you mean the deterministic the the bodily sensation. Sorry, that's what I mean. Actually. Okay, yeah. No, I mean I can to see the that. body side because what happens is when you're really crying for a painful reason, you know you feel that pain, and it's a weird. It's not like someone like stabbing your leg, but it's kind of like a, a thing inside you. It feels a little painful, right? Heart heartbroken. Heartbroken, right? It feels something. It's it's hard to describe. But, well, babies when they cry, like uh, physically, all the same. Um, chemicals are being released in their body. So they actually feel, even though they don't have labels for it, and they obviously couldn't tell you about it, right? They feel the same, quote, feelings, the same pangs. And so they learn to associate, and that that was very much on purpose evolutionarily, right? So that they're like, I need food. I, I hurt. Ah, cry. Right? But they don't have labels or anything. But it is very physical. It's just that as we grow up, and now we have communication and language and all these things, uh, when we feel those pangs, Right. Those physical pangs. Now we've layered meaning on top of them. And so I, I don't I have to say that in some ways uh, the baby does come before the the adult. I see a good argument on the physical side of the fence. That being said, I think that it breaks down at some point because babies don't feel other emotions. Like, they don't actually yet feel love. The really baby, baby babies, like the newborns, they don't feel love. They don't feel, um, they actually don't don't feel anger or they don't feel those kind of uh, more, what I'd call contextualized emotions. Um, because they, they have only been, like, programmed so far with a survival mechanic. 
that we later dub an emotion. Yeah, I don't know. This is an area that I don't know a lot about, about infant emotions. I'm making a lot of faces as you're talking of like, oh, I think that sounds all right. And a lot of faces are saying, I don't know about that. So I can't really speak intelligently about this. Um, but I don't know. I think babies might feel angry and I think they might feel, um, what was the other emotion you said? Well, so it, it depends what age we're talking about, right? Like the, the, the newborns, and I only say this, by the way, because I've recently read way too many books about this stuff. Brand newborns, right? I'm talking about, like, let's say they, they were to term, right? They are indifferent in that moment to uh, who carries them. As long as they are getting nutrition and as long as they're getting oxygen and all these basics. But how do they okay. know that? Well, they don't. Oh, how do. How do they know uh, how that? Do, the how does researchers know this? Right. Like, well, I, that's a great question. But like a lot of the evaluations have to do with both the perceived physical reactions and the behavioral changes between different caregivers. Right. Right. So, so all we can say is that they have a pleasure feeling when someone takes care of them, it doesn't matter who it is. Actually, it's not even someone because they... they or something. Yes, as so, long as the, their need is met. Right. So in our adult conception of attachment and of love, we would not define love that way. We, or we would define love as to a particular person, right? Or, yeah, it'd be, a, it'd be limiting to define it that way. You're right. But why define love that way? Why not define love as an experience of being loved? So it, it all just depends on how you define it. I'm telling you, when you start looking at all the different angles and all the different definitions, it's really hard to lock down. But I, I sure. so, so they can say that babies don't necessarily care it's you until six months or something. And then they're like, oh, you're that same person. I know you and those other people I don't know right. and there, I don't like them. There's symbolism now that they that they attach to that. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of inferences going on when they do research like that. And Anyway, but again, this is not my area of expertise. I didn't read anything about this and I could be talking. Right. Oh. It, it, by the way, the other thing about the anger part is that, granted, same caveats apply that you just said. Right. But if you look at the zero, 0 to 60 and 60 to 0 behaviors that babies exhibit for example you will have the most wildly screaming like psychotic sounding baby cuz they're their diapers dirty and they haven't been fed for example right and you'd think man this baby's so upset as soon as you change the diaper and feed him the bottle it's calm and fine so because of that flip is so dramatic, like that doesn't indicate leftover emotions like anger or resentment or, you know, like that. There And there's such a short term memory also in babies. That's the yeah. other thing. Yeah. Whereas anger, unless you're talking about like the immediate anger, it takes some memory and con- remembrance of things that have happened but that's, for you to feel those things. Right. But that's a definition of anger that's different from other people's definition. of it. And but a lot of things of what you're saying, you're saying that babies don't remember very well. That's mm-hmm. true. Does that mean that? can't feel anger in the moment no let's go into a different different uh emotional situation my example of the last time i remember just being like really really mad angry pissed was that i had this coworker at my job crazy coworker person who's like weird and you don't know their story and they're just kind of a freak. And then it turned out that we had to share offices, which was not part of my understanding. But being the I want to just please everybody, you know, you just suffer in silence. We deal with it. And like as we go on, we've been room- roommates, I say, for like a few months. And she's just so annoying because another pet peeve of mine beyond wet sneezes is like ch- listening to people chew 
and like crunchy food is really like loud and you're like, oh my God. And when I'm sitting there in a silent office and you hear like crunch of gluten-free pretzels and you're like, oh my God. So give one particular moment. Basically, I, I was building up like, oh my God, I can't stand you. And then we, I find out she has a blog where she's anonymous or whatever, but when I find it, and I read about it. She is talking mad amounts of shit about me. Like, <gasps> mad. Are you serious? And she's got this, like, she's this very slight person who, like, oh, you know, it's like barely even makes eye contact with people. And then you read about this persona that she blogs about work every day and what I had for lunch and the, you know, the person I have to sit with, you know, my oh, office no. mate. And she talks mad, mad badness about me, really bad. And I've, like, literally, I don't speak to her all day, every day of the week. I would never speak to her. What so, was she saying about you? The point is, it's just baseless. She she called well, she me. She probably said she never speaks to me. No, no. Her facial expressions are so expressive. I don't even look at her. She, she call, never looks at me. She called me a troll. A troll. Troll. And I was like, what? And she just like. Like a troll like, like in the mythology or a troll like on the internet? I've heard that there's such a thing as an internet troll. Yes. Which isn't a good thing either. No. I don't believe I'm an internet troll. I just literally sit back to back with her. And when I found out that she had this like massive, exaggerated persona online that she made herself sound so self-important. And anytime she screwed anything up for work for me, because I gave her work, that it was my fault or, mm. you know, blah, blah, blah. All these terrible criticisms of me and this like overblown sense of self-importance and self-righteousness. And it was just like, <gasps> And you talking bad about me in this office and calling me a troll and I have to share an office with you and act like everything is fine. Oh, my God. So you stood up and hit her with your troll club. (laughs) I guess maybe I could be a treasure troll. You gave her you gave her one of your really expressive anger faces. No, I never did anything to her. So so there you are. You discover the 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 blog. You're on you're on your computer. Where are you at home? You're at work. Where are you? Uh, a colleague of mine and I had found it, and we're reading it at work. Not in my office, yes. Okay, so you're you're in the office, you're and your colleague says, "Hey, come here, look at this," and you start reading it. What happens in your body? What happens to your emotions? I'm trying to think what was it, but you know, maybe it was like when your ears get hot and you're just like, oh, and you want to scream and your hands clench and, and your I, shoulders. It looks like your shoulders are getting even. Just retelling it, you can tell it makes me tense. It makes me like, oh my god, I can't believe you i want to punch you in the face i mean i don't get to do anything i didn't say anything your voice gets loud you start to actually have you you actually start stumbling on your words like you don't even know (sighs) i'm stuttering with anger and like when it was raw and the first moment oh my god i was pissed okay just like how dare you say those things about me so evolutionarily we could say that that would make sense right when someone threatens you when someone is going to threaten your survival it makes sense to tense up your fists and to to get to get loud and get big and get intimidating and right? it was more about like the baseless accusations and all these things like oh, i'm so amazing and look at her and everything and it's like i've never done not one thing to you i have my personal feelings but i kept it to myself professionally i want to go home i want to rage i'm fine okay so let's move on from her and more into oh, to you me. sorry well so so there you are in your 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 tense your you're getting energy. Maybe your heart's starting to beat a little faster. Yeah, probably. You're I getting was, flushed. I was like, my blood pressure's rising. You okay. know, you just say that like, oh, you know, you know it's getting... Fight or flight? Mm, fight. Maybe, yeah. 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 And you're thinking what? what what's your thing? You're thinking, I hate her. I want to call her out on it. I want to be like, that is bull. How dare you say that? Say it to my face. What I want is to say, say it 
to my face. You want to confront her. You want to humiliate her. You want her. No, to... I don't want to humiliate her. I just want to be like, if you have something to say, I just I'm trying to be less passive myself in my life. And it's like, if you have any respect for me as a person, colleague, partner, friend, family member, you will say it to me. You got to call me up or whatever, but you should have the decency to look me in the eye and say it to me. You want to get aggressive at her. You want to tell her off. You want to tell her. I don't, you know, I'm just my, my aggressive. You want her to feel bad for what she's done. No, I mean, maybe I want her to know that I know and that that doesn't stand or it shouldn't stand because why should you be allowed to say those things? I mean, granted, the only people who read it are sad people like her okay. who have to like. You okay. Know. So what happened first, the body or the or the feeling, the emotion, the anger? Was it the anger that made your body get tense or was your body tense? And then you're like, oh, I must be angry. Um, I feel like I'm only the one side, but I feel like when I heard the words, I was just like, what? I was pissed. You like, Immediately I turned on. I was just like, everything just elevates like, <gasps> so what? was it your evaluation of the blog? Hearing it and seeing those words and knowing, oh my God. So the knowing came before the body feeling. And then I just, you know, and then you just let it, then it goes from there. The floodgates have burst and the anger pours forth. And you're like, oh, my God. You know, luckily I stopped myself and went home and was like, I need a drink. <sighs> or I need to go run three miles and just, like, sweat it out and get so you know, punch so, a punching bag. So you believe in the cognitivist point of view. I don't believe, but that's my nearest recollection. But, I mean, she's <laughs> since been not, she's not in my office no more, just to say. But it wasn't because of me. She is still alive. I know what you're saying. Did I knock her off? <laughs> No. Well, that's that's the weird thing here because let's say, let's simplify this to the simplest thing. If right now she rounded the corner and you saw her, you would probably feel anger or something, right? Yeah, I'd be like, right. oh. But so then that you know, I can immediately say, ah, okay. But first, your eyes had to get the signal and process the signal of what you're looking at. Then you had to associate. You see, like you can't even get to the body. It's quote unquote because your eyes are part of your body, but you can't even get to your respiratory system or whatever, your stomach, butterflies, all that stuff before you do some brain processing. <laughs> so then to play a devil's advocate, well, I, now on the other side. <laughs> well, you perceive something. You see something. You perceive something. But you don't necessarily have to have a cognition about it, like some some voluntary thought about oh, it. Oh, no. that's what, what I'm saying, though, is that, uh, I mean, it'd be really hard to make an argument that by default this lady has some universal threatening appearance. No. Right? So, therefore, what I'm saying is that there must have been some cognitive association right. that then might trigger some physical stuff. Right. That the, so then I'm playing now a devil advocate for the, what did you call it, the cognitive side? The cognitivist side. The cognitive, cognitivist side, yeah. saying that in this example, it feels like you couldn't have gotten to the physical reactions without some cognitive associations. Right. Well, so the visceral reaction, people would say that you recognize her as a threat, but you have no cognition about it. There's no... There's no thought about, oh, there's that person that I hate. Now I'm going to be angry, which I'm drawing out, which is what you're saying is happening. And But the, the visceral reaction people would say, you're, yeah, you see her, but your body kicks in. And then you the, the anger and the body feeling are at once. They happen at the same time. Whereas the cognitivist people say that you have to have that evaluation of, oh, there's that person. Oh, she's a threat. 
I'm going to get angry. I feel angry at her because well, I believe she's a threat, and now my body reacts. But, but that, yeah, so if there, if the cognitivist point is like this slow process, No, it, 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 could, happen, it could happen in a split second, right, but right. there's something that happens before the other thing. Right. That's where I feel... That's where I'm, what my point is that um, as long as we agree that speed is the, the speed of thought is fairly fast and faster than our conscious word understanding about it, then I, in this case, land on the cognitivist side saying, uh, you have to associate quite a bit for your body to react to this human being. Right. <laughs> and, and the cognitivist people would agree with you. The uh, and, and most people tend to think cognitively in our society. I think it's a common way of thinking. But that's a cultural manifestation because there's really no way to prove either way. The visceral reaction people, the bodily reaction comes first. People will say, if you can't measure the cognition, then you can't prove. And if you can't prove it's there, then why are you saying it's there? Uh, we do know that there's a bodily reaction. We can measure that. We can't measure a cog- cognitive appraisal of every situation. Therefore, you can't say it's there. You can you can say it's there because you believe it's there, but that's just saying you believe in Santa Claus, for instance. Maybe it's like a tandem, simultaneous response, like you're, I think is what you're saying, in that like uh, another example I thought of, just a small one, like say you have an ex that you like don't talk to and you don't want to see but they like you know you catch them in like the next aisle over from the grocery store and you're crossing and then you're like huh, you know and then you you feel and you think at the same time and you're just like huh, and your heart starts beating but it's like you also have like feelings associated with it it's it's kind of like maybe like neck and neck but it's basically like simultaneous like your brain your heart everything's screaming and you're like huh, i want to get out of here right because the feelings in the heart but it's maybe maybe it's a simultaneous thing that right. You don't know which comes first. It's not like, okay, I just saw that person. I'm going to think about it. I don't know. But like for me, it's like when I have recently had one of those episodes where I was like, oh, my ex. And then I was like, and you feel like something. You feel your body changes and you're like something like a pit of your stomach is like, or you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Walk away. Or, you know, you're like you're at Costco and you run into somebody you used to date and you're like, oh, my God. Don't turn around. <laughs> and you're like, uh, uh. Yeah. I, I, you, you, know tell, you tell me not to turn around, and then I turn right around and look straight at him. I told you, why do you do that? It should have been like, hey, my ex is right over there. And I'd have been like, I saw him over in Vitamins. And you'd be like, oh. Yeah, if you would have said, I saw someone, I wouldn't have turned around. But when you say. I said, you just said, don't turn around. Yeah. For future reference, if you say don't turn around, you I will, will turn immediately around. turn around. Why don't you say, I will take this cognitive moment to be evaluate Mandy's statement? Cannot I can't help it. Freaking do it. Listen, I'm calling it. I have now adjudicated. I've decided th- there's no way the cognitive side has it because here's why. Th- this is my ultimate example. You're standing there by yourself in a nicely lit alleyway. All of a sudden, you are stabbed on the side, slang. Right, so you could see some ambitious uh, uh, body uh, person say, "Oh, you see, it starts with the body." And I'm gonna say, "No, see, that's the whole point." In the most vicious possible attack, you've now been stabbed. It takes you a couple of seconds for your mind to actually process what have just happened. You're not even angry at anyone yet because you're in shock at this moment. Okay. Then you go, oh, "I've been stabbed." Now you're feeling fear. Now you're finally at first. You're just like, then you're. So, okay, so the body people will say, oh, you see, it started with the body. And I'm saying, no, you didn't feel any emotions. You had to wait to actually understand the stimulus happening in your body, then associate fear. Then, only after that, you turn around and you see it's your enemy. 
<laughs> then you're like, oh, I'm angry. <laughs> so you know right. what? So it's over. <laughs> right. Well, so so that it, that doesn't you know the, the the visceral reaction people would have a lot to say against no, that. They'd have nothing. <laughs> but but let me take it to another level. So uh, another area of research, they look at they inject people with chemicals, and but they don't tell them. Or they put it in their food or something. They don't tell them, and then the the subjects have a have a bodily reaction like nausea or heart rate, heart rate uh, increased heart rate or something. And so the visceral reaction people will say, "Well, you will have an you will have a emotion because your bodily but your body is doing something, and then your mind says, oh, 'Oh, I'm having having an emotion.'" Uh, the cognitivist people will say, "If you have a bodily reaction that you don't know where it's coming from, you will not have an emotion until you evaluate what right. it means." Unless you try and make sense of it, right. you're like, what? What's right. the catalyst? Right. So why would so, I feel this? I agree with that. Well, the experiments show that um, there are various different ways of looking at it, and there are various different um, uh, experiments, and a lot of people have debated whether or not these experiments are actually valid or not. But um, basically what some of them show is that when we have a bodily feeling that we can't interpret, we actually have fear because we, we can't interpret the body. The body we get, we're, It's discomforting to have a body... A reaction that we can't interpret. The other thing that they find is that we look towards external cues to define what we're feeling. So if we have a bodily reaction and the people around us are happy, then we're like, oh, I must feel joy because uh, we're all happy right now. Um, and the other one, and, and or if the person's angry or sad or scared, we might say, oh, I, I must be scared too. I must be scared with them. Okay. So we can sometimes define our emotions socially, it's still a cognitive model because we're still evaluating it, but we're not, it's not all internal. We, we define it socially. It's a social construct. The, right. What this bodily feeling Context. actually means. Yeah. Okay. Like in other cultures, heart racing might mean something different to them. It might never mean fear. It might only mean love or something. Oh, okay. right? You know what I mean? So it, we're brought up in a culture that defines bodily reactions with certain emotions and we can't get away from that. And, and to me, that disproves the. That just shows that it's cognitive. Now, here's another one. Like nowadays, when they do studies with brain scans, and then they show people uh, imagery or things like that. Like the simplest example is the sexual imagery, right? Bazillion parts of the brain that fire before you even have something like an erection, mm. right? At the very least, one can claim that the brain has some role to play in first doing some stuff. And then the bot, the rest of the body catches up. Right. So I mean, I don't know. I, right. I think that it's 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 over. <laughs> I think it's interesting that yes, I agree that you know based on the group of people, the surroundings you're in, if you're like thrown in that, I don't, you know, you've been given some drug that you know initiates a reaction, and you're like, oh, it doesn't make sense. I don't know what's going on. I need to go to the hospital. I need to get checked out. I need an answer. That makes sense. You feel panic, and then you know I. Agree that it's societal, but then I also think that there is base, you know, humans feel these same, you know, we share the same physical responses, maybe in different contexts, but it's the same thing. Like every human, you know, feels fear for their life and maybe has the same reaction or, you know. Right. Well, there's some there's some research that goes into trying to define the universality of emotion. Right. They have a really hard time with it because you can only describe emotion linguistically 
and every word has a very specific cultural meaning in every culture mm. even the word fear is a different has a different meaning in other cultures so there's mm. been some some research in that area but they haven't really figured out a cons- they haven't really come to a consensus on universal emotions it's such a hard thing to evaluate you have to ask people how do you feel and they have to describe it to you through through language yeah. and every person has a different meaning of what fear yeah. means or like what happy means to me like Maybe it takes a lot to make me happy, so I'm rarely happy. Or maybe I'm always happy because I'm a happy-go-lucky person, so more times than not, it's easier That's to when you're suicidal, choose right? that word. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Right. And another thing is that when they do their research, they, they can only evaluate gross reactions in the body. Not gross as in disgusting, but as in large reactions in the body. Like puking. Like puking, right. <laughs> well, like puking. Um, and, and, and like heart rate increase or decrease. Uh, palms sweaty palms. palms. I don't know, like redness in the face. But think about, you know, that heart pang that you get when you have heartbreak and you're hurt. How do you measure that? Um, How do you measure the kind of butterflies in the stomach as opposed to heartbreaking, as opposed to the feeling of warmth you get when you're in love with someone? These are things that are difficult to measure. And if they... If they are one day able to measure those things, they might actually find that these things happen before we cognitively uh, evaluate the situation. Who knows? So there's a lot of debate. Um, There's a lot of interesting things to read about. Yeah. One of the questions that I'd have for these folks would be how how they're defining cognitive versus non-cognitive. Right. Because... Going back to the, uh, a stabbing example, which apparently is my favorite example. Um, let's say just now it's from the front, right? Like you're standing there. You get stabbed. Okay. Let's say for case A, it's a stranger. A stranger stabs you. Case B, it's your worst enemy. Worst enemy stabs you. Case C, it's your closest family or friend or whatever. Stab. Okay. Now, in all cases, you're you're experiencing the fear of now, oh, I'm stabbed. I might die, right? In one of the cases, you might be like shocked and somewhat, somewhat, I don't know, dismayed at why out of the blue this stranger stabbed you. The other one, you're like angry at your worst enemy, right? The other one, you might be like heartbroken and, and betrayed, right? But there's no way. Like the, the action and the physical reaction is the same exact one. Like they could even stab you in the same place with the same velocity, all these kind of things, right? So the context of who it was that did the stabbing is the rest of the emotions. Right. So you're a cognitivist and a social cognitivist, yeah. which, which, you know, yes. is a point of view. My personal viewpoint is that it all happens at the same time in general, and that sometimes one happens before the other, and, so, and other times the other one happens before the other one. And then, of course, we have to include uh, neurochemistry, body chemistry. For instance, if you uh, have low blood sugar, that will affect your body, and that will affect how you interpret the emotion. Um, there's just... There's so many systems involved in our experience of emotion that I think it's difficult to nail down one cause, one way we experience emotion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think Perhaps. a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that does it for another episode of Psychology in Seattle. I'm sorry we have no time for Tougher Bluff. I got to get going. All right. But we'll save those for next time. <laughs> I will. All those out there in podcast land, please take care of yourself. And please emote away. <laughs> yeah.